Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike. Got a few windows open here and there. Make sure they get closed. Uh, yeah, man, it's a uh, very warm July morning. Sunny and warm, which is nice. Nice and bright out. Uh, it's earlier than usual. I'm leaving an hour earlier to get to my job because uh, schedules change for the summer a little bit. Um, and I had a, I'm going to have quite a, a crazy day today. Um, so like I said, it's Wednesday, so my normal day to record these podcasts, and I'm recording again. Um, I'm using a MP3 this time, so I can use a little bit less bandwidth. Uh, the last time, sorry, I'm playing with this. I know it's going to pop a little bit. Um, I'm using MP3 today to see how the quality is, to see if I'll go with that or if I'll go back to a WAV file. The WAV file is just very, very big. MP3 will be much, much smaller, um, manageable file for sure. Uh, yeah, anywho... Um, I've got three hours of classes this morning from nine to just afternoon, and then and then I'm off to Tokyo, which is going to be a couple hours drive at least uh, for an opera rehearsal. And uh, I've got all afternoon to get there, so I'm not really in a hurry. Originally, I thought the rehearsal was going to be in uh, in a town close to where I'm at, but they've changed it all the way to Tokyo, so I've got to get all the way there. Uh, for rehearsal from 6 to 6 to 10 or 6 to 9 and then got to drive all the way back to Ibaraki another couple hours so earliest I'll be getting back is probably 11 tonight and then I think by I'm, I'm going to have to be up by 6 in the morning at least because we've got a 3 day kids camp following all this mess <laughs> so I was thinking how, yeah, this is a crazy schedule or whatever, but actually kind of, it's just like a day in the life <laughs> of me. It seems like I often schedule crazy things like this, and nearly impossible. Um, wow, this is really busy this time of morning. My neighborhood is busy, which is crazy. It's not here, but farm trucks and tractors. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so actually I end up scheduling some crazy stuff like this all the time, it seems. So it's not really that out of the ordinary for me to do something nuts like this. So yeah, as soon as I finish, I will start making my way to Tokyo... And then I have some shopping to do on the way as well for, for the camp. Um, oh, it's going to be a crazy day. Very crazy day. Um, yeah, so what's going on with you guys? Uh, how, how, how have things been going? I'd love to hear your comments on the new format and the new mic placement. Um, it's changed the way you hear me, I'm pretty sure. Um, hopefully there's less 
uh, competing noise making its way into the mic. Um, in fact, I think I'll switch my seat to be a little closer to the mic here. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's a little less competition going on for my voice. The mic's a lot higher up. It's placed up and to the right of me, which in Japan that means next to the window. So the driver's side is the right side. Um, yeah, so theologically, things that have been going on. I, I, I made a statement that kind of came to me as I was reading uh, and I put it on Facebook and it's one of these little statements that it's kind of silly for me to put on Facebook because it's so vague um, so as to encourage a plethora of different interpretations. Um, and so the statement was is it possible that all of the struggle pain and evil in the world is just the natural consequences of the creation trying to understand the creator if you want to call it evolution right the evolution of the creation uh, getting to know the creator um, we we who are theists believe for the most part that that God is so much more than us right that he's he's other than humans he's not a human um, and whatever similarities they may be there there may be between humankind and and God kind if you will um, they are very, very infinitesimal, very small. Um, and some of the things, you know, might be just the fact that we have free will or something as simple as that. Um, when... Uh, in Genesis it says let us make man in our image um, that's been interpreted in so many different ways probably including physical ways I would think that somehow we think that the shape of our bodies somehow is similar that God has a similar shape and you see that that plays out in art uh, throughout the history as God is depicted as, as just a, a human, an old man, for example, in the Sistine Chapel, uh, the uh, painting or the fresco by Michelangelo. Um, but most of us don't think that he has really, uh, at least at least in the, 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 the form of the Father, doesn't have a body. Now, some people believe that, of course, Jesus took on flesh, he had a body, and that he kept that body and keeps that body still. That he still um, has consigned himself to that body, and so he's still um, a spirit with a body now, even. And I suppose you'd have to say he has a soul as well. I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know how that works out exactly. 
Um, you can refer back to the previous podcast on my um, thoughts on uh, body, soul, and spirit. I don't want to rehash all that again because I think I've rehashed it three or four weeks in a row now. Um, but whatever it means to be made in God's image, we don't feel like it's a, anything significant that, um, well, I don't mean significant in importance. Of course, it's important or it wouldn't have happened, but uh, that it's it's some small, almost symbolic way that we are made in the image of God. Um, and so... Yeah, so this this statement, I, I, I can't even tell you what now made me think of it. It comes obviously, well, maybe not obviously, so let me tell you where it, one place I think it probably comes from is the fact that I have become increasingly a, a, a hopeful universalist. In other words, I think uh, from God's standpoint, he has decided to reconcile the entire world and everybody in it who has ever lived, uh, and and everybody in the he- in the heavens as well, that he has decided that, that as far as he's concerned, he has and is reconciling everything and everyone. That that's that's what you know that's the power of Jesus on the cross. Now, the only exception I think that there might be uh, there are are people who exercising their free will continue to reject uh, Jesus' offer of eternal life Uh, and that somehow God in his wisdom will know when that is a complete a hard pass right when somebody's made a hard pass at his offer right That, that they will not ever change their mind and in that case um, what happens to them uh, could be one of two things. Um, of course, a lot of people float the idea of hell and eternal torture. Uh, my uh, current um, hope is that annihilation will be um, what happens in that case, that that he will uh, allow that person to just cease to exist as per their request. Uh, I, I still think they're going to have willpower throughout the entire process um, as strange as that may seem um, yeah so so from a, a universalist standpoint I don't I don't want to keep saying hopeful universalist so I'm just going to say universalist from a, a universalist standpoint um, sin because God has forgiven everyone for everything sin um, could possibly take on an entirely different, um, as seen from a cosmic perch, right? Uh, an entirely different character. In other words, a natural evolutionary process uh, of mankind becoming more and more uh, um, cognizant. More, more and more knowledgeable of the Creator, learning more and more collectively, right? Collectively, uh, as we learn more and more about who created, who, who created us, and therefore our own origin story, uh, 
there of course is going to be trial and error in the way that we understand that you know um, now in a simplistic way you could look at the way that children uh, push parents and and their boundaries just to see how committed the parents are to their rules uh, it seems that kids break them and and try to see the consequences and therefore uh, they get to know they, they know what to expect when they do step out of line um, because they have they have experimented right um, and it seems like younger kids do this instinct instinctively like the, it's an instinct of theirs to to do the opposite of what their parents tell them to uh, because they don't they don't understand the idea of consequences at all uh, so in a way, as we, as we, you know, what we've been calling sin or evil or, you know, causing pain and suffering, uh, whatever you want to call it, as we, as we work in ways that are not in line with the person of God, we learn things about God by the consequences of our actions, in other words. Hmm. Now that I say that, I don't really like the way that sounds. Um, now, if you've heard me talk before, you understand that when I read the wrath of God now in the Bible because of the book um, Crucifixion of the Warrior God by Boyd, uh, I now see natural consequences of not living in a way... Um, that is uh, that adheres to our original vocation as humans given by God, right? So um, there are consequences to living outside of the way uh, that God ordained the universe to operate, I guess. Uh, and I consider those almost natural, if not natural, consequences. Uh, that every action uh, has, uh, like it is sometimes said in science, an equal and opposite reaction. Um, I don't know about the equal or opposite aspect of that, um, but it does seem to me that um, sorry, I'm through traffic here. Oops, I hit the microphone again. Sorry about that. It does seem to me that uh, actions have consequences. Good consequences, bad consequences, but they're not necessarily ordained by God. They don't... It's it, The system was created, I believe, by the Creator, but it, I don't think that God punitively sends lightning bolts when we step out of line. I think just the way the world works... Uh, when we act in a way that is not best for us or those around us or the, the world itself, the physical world itself, there are natural consequences that come into play. Uh, and that's what I consider to be spoken of as or called the wrath of God throughout the Bible. I don't think it's actually God's anger. It's just that that's the natural consequences of a world created by a perfect being uh, inhabited by uh, beings with uh, 
uh, endowed with um, free will who <coughs> from time to time step out of line. Um, and so going back to the, what I said a few minutes ago where, oh, how did I put it? <coughs> yeah, I, the natural consequences. I suppose it would be the natural consequences of getting to know the creation and therefore getting to know the creator, possibly. Maybe that would be uh, the creation getting to know the boundaries inside the creation and therefore getting to know the creator. I think that that would work. Um, you know, it's sort of like a child growing up. They, they do all kinds of things they shouldn't do, but most of it's from ignorance. You know, if, if they do do something like touch a you know, touch something very hot. Uh, it's because they don't. They didn't know that heat hurts. They didn't know that there was such extreme heat that it existed at all in the first place. And they've never experienced the pain that comes from touching it. Right? That's something that uh, obviously is not good for us to do. It's not good for us to touch things that burn our skin. Uh, and the pain is the evidence of that. Uh, and so we we learn. To not push that boundary by the pain we feel uh, when we cross that line, uh, and I think that that's a simple way to look at everything in the world. You know, when we um, <clears throat> when we uh, drink too much alcohol, right? Whether you want to, you know, say over a time, such as alcoholism or just the the act of getting drunk, uh, I think our bodies tell us in no uncertain terms in both instances that it's not good for us to overindulge indulge in that substance uh, and there are consequences and the consequences may range to you know from a headache uh, to vomiting um, and then to you know in, in very serious prolonged cases liver disease uh, not to mention uh, relationships suffer uh, under addiction and things like this and these are the natural consequences of doing things that are either not good for ourselves, not good for those around us, or not good for the world in general. You know, when we... Um, you know, things that happen in Japan as I'm driving here through the Japanese countryside is they'll... Japan's a very hilly country, especially where we live in this part of the country. Uh, and uh, oftentimes they will, they will cut down every single tree uh, and everything that grows on the side of a hill. Uh, and then the rains come. And when the rains come, the rains make all of that topsoil incredibly heavy. Uh, and if a, an earthquake happens to happen when the topsoil is heavy from the rains and the, the trees and the roots have been weakened and cut down, uh, what's going to happen is that land is going to give way and it's going to slide down uh, the slope and possibly cause damage below, which, you know, sometimes uh, that means go over a road. Sometimes it means, you know, hit an entire uh, village or a house, and then people can be killed. All because we did something that's, that's not good for the land. You know, it's not, it's, it's not good to cut down the trees. The trees are important. There are many good uses for trees. Um, but cutting down a slope and then being irresponsible 
about where you cut and possibly the greed of wanting the wood uh, from that side or, or wanting to sell the land and make it more whatever. Uh, all of those things out of balance, too much of, of different kinds of things, cause the consequences um, that, that we would call evil or bad or painful. Um, and so real consequences are there. We know there are consequences to our actions. You know, there are things we do uh, that have natural and immediate consequences. Um, you know, you can you can think of uh, I don't know, pulling a dog's tail. You pull a dog's tail, and he may swing around and bite you, right? But you knew that before you pulled the tail, unless you're a little kid. Uh, so doing things that are not good for us good for those around us or good for the world in general have natural consequences and I would say that's the way a world would work when it's created by a, a an infinite perfect being but allowed to be inhabited by uh, imperfect uh, somewhat ignorant uh free will beings um, so my original statement of evil bad bad and evil and pain in the world uh, may be the consequences of the creation understanding the creator or you know evolving in its understanding of the creator I would say um, for sure it is they are the natural consequences of the creation understanding the boundaries that necessarily exist in a world uh, created in the way that this world is created and by by whom it is created and whom is created by hmm? I don't know <laughs> Grammarly help me <laughs> just kidding um, so yeah uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I may want to revise that statement. I put it on Facebook and got lots of um, responses. And, and uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily see any of the responses that negate completely what I said. I think they all kind of fit in. But I did see that a lot of people perhaps didn't understand the statement that I made. And I'm not sure that I understood the statement that I made, to say the truth. I think that's why I put it on there because I wanted to know if that statement was uh, something to continue to look into, uh, and I think it is. I, I think I think in in this post-forgiven world, meaning after the forgiveness that has been given to all of us, I think we can look at sin in a different way and see that people aren't necessarily just rebelling against God but are perhaps um, learning about him even in their rebellion and I, and I have to believe that you know that whether they see that now or not that, that one day that will all play into a greater knowledge of who God is 
And then I've said before, I think I think that's the ball game. I I think that's game set match. Um, that's a walk off home run. When you uh, when you understand who God is, that is the beginning of salvation. Uh, that is when you realize. In other words, that your salvation is um, has been received. You have received it. It's not. It's not because of what we've done, or you know, random chance, but because of who God is that we are saved. And not everybody's blessed with the environment conducive to to hearing about this God. You know, I used to kind of cringe <clears throat> when I'd see a t-shirt or a billboard that says, Jesus loves you. Um, but you know what? That's that, that's it. I mean, my goodness, as simple as that is, yes, Jesus loves me. It's not just because the Bible tells me so. That's a great place to, to hear that Jesus loves me. That's also a great place to... to uh, <clears throat> be thoroughly confused about who Jesus is, uh, and that's a whole other podcast, and I'm sure I've been on that a lot, but Jesus loves you because that's just who he is, that's his character, that's his nature, it's always been his nature, God has always been Jesus on the cross from the beginning of time, uh, you are forgiven because that's just who Jesus is and that's free forgiveness to everyone only contingent upon your free will in this life or the next I now believe there's just too many people that have the cards so stacked against them that the odds of them ever seeing the true nature of Jesus are you know slim to none <clears throat> especially with the number of people that die every day number of children babies that die every day and the number of so-called evangelists who don't understand the true nature of Christ giving a wrong impression of him throughout the world still preaching a vengeful God or at least a God who who will save you contingent upon your good behavior or your good choices right you're following the rules um, the way he's laid them down which uh, in most accounts are pretty darn impossible If that's the God you're preached to, sorry, if that's the God that is preached to you, in other words, a, a fallacious representation of Jesus, and that's all you ever got, then I, I don't think, you know, 
of course that God, that fallacious God, yeah, he'll he'll punish you for that, sure, I suppose. Um, but the fact that it's fallacious means that, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. But that's not your fault, right? <clears throat> I could keep going on and on on this. I I know it's hard. It was hard for me to be convinced of this originally, and it's hard for people who who have certain thoughts about the plan of salvation in their mind. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think God ever gives up on getting you the true information of who He is, and and He's got all eternity to work on that. For those who get it in this life we're all the more blessed we get to help others uh, and we get to help um, people find peace and heaven in this earth now but for the ones who have nothing but pain and suffering in this earth um, he's going to take care of them too um So yeah, I think I think we we have to be less repulsed by sin and and I think more understanding of why people do what they do and have more faith in in Jesus that he's going to work it all out in the end. Uh oops, sorry, I keep hitting that microphone. I forget it's there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Good question, huh? Sorry, I'm drinking some coffee that finally turned out decent. It's been way better the last couple of days. It's a lot better right now. I'm trying to enjoy it. So, <clears throat> love to hear feedback on on how you think we should be looking at uh, sin. What's a what's a, a healthy way for us to look at the attitudes and actions uh, that that are, are obviously um, opposite of the character of God and then look past those things to Jesus on the cross and realize that, that he's there for all of those actions for all of those people um, that the good news is that it's not going to matter what you do or what you've done. Salvation is a free gift. And <laughs> free, free is another word that we qualify in a Christian way. Well, it's free, but you know you have to you have to be baptized. You need to go to church. You need to take communion. You need to pay your tithe. Um, and you need to do this faithfully all the way until you die, and you, you can't die with a grave sin being your last action. It's free, but, you know, it's a Christian version of free. Just like freedom in Christ is, yeah, you're free, but you're not, you're not free to do whatever you want. I mean, you're free as far as Christian freedom is concerned, but it's not true freedom. Yeah, I just get tired of all these re-defining 
of words in a in a Christian way that make them mean nothing, make them meaningless. Okay, so are we free or are we not free? By the same token, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, are you know are are I'm trying to say R R R. It's not like Mork from Ork. <laughs> R R R R. Uh, yeah. Let's try not to do redefine words. Free means free. Freedom means freedom. Grace means grace. You don't have to qualify them. They are what they are. Um. So, yeah, believe it or not, you are free to sin all you want. You are free to sin all you want, and God's going to work it out for you anyway. Knock yourself out. But you probably will knock yourself out because there are natural consequences of sin, right? That That's just how the world works. That's the nature of this world that was built, again, by a perfect being and allowed to be inhabited by imperfect free will beings. Um, don't ignore the consequences that you experience when you sin and realize that that those consequences one day will be taken away uh, and that no matter what you do and, or what you've done, you're loved. You're completely loved. Now that love's not meant to have zero effect on the way that you live in this world right the more you sin uh, the more you affect those around you in a negative way the more you act or think in ways that are opposite of the God who created you the more pain and suffering you inflict on the world the more you withhold heaven uh, from yourself and those around you on earth. Heaven meaning uh, the kingdom of heaven or the place where, where God's peace and joy reigns. Right? The kingdom of heaven is meant to be a place where suffering is alleviated, where sickness is healed, uh, where where the hungry are fed and the thirsty are given drink, right? The more we sin, the more we hold back the kingdom of heaven, which is, um, again, it's heaven on earth. It's where God's authority reigns and God's authority is best seen uh, in his self-sacrificing nature. Um, Jesus' love, his forgiveness of you, no matter what you've done, is meant to transform your heart in ways that you uh, become vessels or conduits of his peace and love and acceptance here on earth. And it will. Right? The more you realize how much you for, you're forgiven, the more you contemplate that, the more you come to believe that in your heart, 
the more your life will begin to reflect uh, your creator, right? Again, that's the natural consequences of living in the way that we were created, following the example of our creator, right? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I guess we've, sorry, it's kind of bumpy through here. I guess we've come back to, <laughs> uh, again, the fact that your salvation, or rather the knowledge of your salvation lies in how well you know the Creator God. And uh, just to wrap things up, uh, if if you don't feel like you know Him very well, um, I suggest you uh, spend some time in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John rediscovering who Jesus uh, was on earth and thereby discovering who God has always been. Um, that knowledge of who God is as found in Jesus uh, is, is the knowledge that eventually helps you recognize your own salvation because it's come to all of us right it's come to all of us and that's good news that's gospel that's the gospel truth and uh, yeah I'm going to let you guys go right there i got about five minutes before I pull into my work but I think I've said all I need to say uh, peace bye bye